Welcome to the Fitbox Podcast. This is your host, Joseph Frankie. Glad you're here listening. On our podcast, we talk about two main things. First and foremost, we interview members of Fitbox so that way you can hear their stories about how they're repaying debt, how they're saving for retirement, buying homes, all this type of stuff, really to give you motivation and some different ideas. That's the first thing we talk about. The second thing our podcast do is we take individual finance topics and go through them in more detail so that way you can say, does this apply to me and how does this apply to my plan? So if you have questions or you want to sign up for Fitbucks, you can do so in the show notes, fitbucks.com, build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome everybody to the Fitbucks podcast. I am Joseph Branke today. Decided to jump on and do a podcast because of all the stuff that's out there about loan forgiveness and zero taxes on income driven repayment plans. So first and foremost, I wanted to clear up kind of the, the information that's been out there so that way you guys know what's going on. Uh, but also, um, I've been being asked a lot, like, what's my opinion, obviously, on phone calls because people are, are trying to figure out what they're doing with their student loans and how that's going to impact, like, buying houses and retirement and family planning and everything else. And, you know, it's hard to predict right now because nobody really knows what's going on. So I'm going to share with you you know, some of the stuff that we've been talking about with student loan forgiveness, uh, because people have been asking me along the lines of question of, do you think it actually going to help or do anything or so on and so forth. Um, so I want to answer that question at the end, just to let you guys know, uh, the big thing that's in the Senate bill for, I don't even want to call it a stimulus package for COVID relief, because it's really not COVID relief, because if you actually go through it, very little is actually spent on COVID relief. Um, but the I would call it more a stimulus, not COVID relief. So the stimulus bill, so-called stimulus bill. Um, and Friday last week, this is actually the 3rd or the 10th of March, the Senate dropped into the bill uh, a provision where on income during payment plans, when they are forgiven, they will no longer be taxed. Okay, so those of you that don't know, when you're on these 20 or 25 year income driven repayment plans, your loans are forgiven at the very end of it, but whatever is forgiven, you have to claim as income and pay taxes on it. They suspended that, now uh, that tax. However, they only did it through 2025. First and foremost, why they do it through 2025? Well, 2024 is a election uh, year, so gotta make it into a political topic, right? So that's why they, they didn't make it permanent. Um, the other flip side of that is it really is not going to really help very many people. Um, I'll give you an example. There's about 9 million people estimated to be on income driven repayment plans. These are only going to affect about 600,000 people. Okay. So not too many are going to be affected by this. It doesn't really do anything for COVID. There's rumors out there that they're doing it to get ready to do loan forgiveness, like $50,000 of loan forgiveness that you guys have been hearing about. Um, so I, I'm going to go through that $50,000 loan forgiveness stuff and all that type of stuff. But, First and foremost, that 0% stuff, like I said before, I'm gonna talk about address that first because I don't I don't think it actually helps the, the root problem and it's actually gonna make it worse. So let's just say they did make the 0% uh, tax on these things. 
then yes, that would help people that are, are in them currently. Like if you have, if you're making like 70 grand a year and you're making 200 grand or you have $200,000 to loan debt and you're getting this thing forgiven, it's going to save you a ton of money. It's going to save you hundred to $200,000 in money that you don't have to pay in taxes. So yeah, it's going to help you out tremendously. But the problem is, and especially if you have kids, they're going to fill in the future. So those of you that don't know, in, in 2000, I think it was 2009, 2010, basically what the Obama administration did was basically federalize student loans. So it went from about 40 or 50% of student loans being owned and operated by the government to nowadays it's 94%. Um, and what's that done is for undergrads, they could charge a little bit more. There's still a cap on how much federal loans you can get for undergrad loans. But for grad school, there is no more cap. So you've seen grad school tuition just soar through the freaking roof. Um, and, and in fact, it's something like grad, grad school students make up like 60 to 65% of the overall debt outstanding. So when you see this number, $1.7 trillion, 60 to 65% of that is graduate school students. Okay. And it's because the Obama administration uncapped how much you could get in federal loans for grad school, which turns around and then just accelerates the price of tuition because the school can get it. And so I've heard a lot of people be like, well, you know, the free markets are dictating uh, the price of tuition because the, the demand is so high. And it's like, that's, that's not the case, actually. This has nothing to do with free markets. It actually has to do with government intervention because they own 94% of that debt. And so what you've actually had with grad school, it's almost 100%. So what you actually have is the government coming in saying, uncap, you can do whatever you want to with your tuition. So schools are, are maxing out their raises in their tuition every year because they can get it. So the supply is there regardless of the demand. Okay. Um, now, you could say demand is still a part of that. I get that argument because if everybody said, screw it, we're not going to school, then all of a sudden... You know they wouldn't be getting that blank check but you know this is another topic for another day people are going to go to school right so as long as they're going to go to school they can jack up the tuition prices as much as they can so what i am saying is it's not directly a free market supply and demand equation it's it's offset if you will there's the the supply is influencing the price more than the, the demand okay now, why does this whole 0% tax, if they made this permanent, why does it actually might be bad, especially for future students? And for those of you that might be having kids that want to go to college one day. Well, if that's the case, and now you don't have to worry about this tax either, tuition is just going to keep going through the roof because people are going to be like, I don't care. Now the demand part of it is going to keep going up because people are going to be like, I don't care. I'm not going to have to pay this thing. And tuition prices are going up and up and up and up. So, I mean, I see people, for example, um, I'll just throw out their PT school or OT school, um, even some PA schools that are upwards of like $150,000, $160,000 in tuition to go to those schools. I mean, 20 years from now, that could very easily be up between three hundred and $600,000 uh, to go to those schools. So think about that. Okay. One, if they keep the current student loan policies of, of just unlimited tuition at these schools, and then now with these income generating payment plans, they have a 0% tax on them. If they make that permanent, there's no reason why schools can't charge that. And that will get it because people will be like, well, it doesn't matter. Guys, I don't have to pay this back, basically.
And that can be a real detriment, especially for some of you that might not, if they put qualifications on those types of things. So like they might come out just like everything else and say, look, there's an income qualification now. Like if you're going to be making X amount, you can't get these. Okay. And it can actually hurt you because then you would have to pay out of pocket for that for your children. And most of you are not going to be able to afford those tuition prices. So in my opinion, that, that chasm between rich and poor actually get worse and worse and worse um, because of this. Um, so that's, that's why, I mean, this whole 0% thing on, on it, I've been saying since day one, I, I like the whole 0% tax thing. I, I think all the student loans should be income driven, um, because that would help, you know, the schools that show transparency on, on what you think you should be making because you can see what people in your industry are paying. Now you have, whenever I say that though, there has to be another side of that and they need to bring back those tuition caps. And that's the only way you're going to control out of, out of control uh, tuition hikes um, is those tuition caps. So just doing this whole 0% thing by itself is, is not going to really benefit uh, in the long run, just in my opinion, society or anything is kind of a knee jerk reaction um, that the administration is doing. To say, look, we're doing something, but it's not really doing it. And then they're positioning it to be a political issue in the next campaign. Okay, so that's the whole 0% thing, my, my take on it. If you guys didn't know, again, I'll repeat it. The bill, again, it hasn't been passed yet, but it's most likely going to call for 0% taxes on any loans for even through 2025. So for those of you that are set to have your loans due after that, that doesn't apply. Okay. Um, now, if you're on public service loan forgiveness, that's a little something different. Those loans are tax free, but that's a different type of program. So we're only talking about the income during repayment plans. Okay. Now, the $50,000 forgiven, the reason why I bring this up is because everybody's getting all excited in the news about, oh, well, they did this. So that way they can set the stage for forgiveness over the next year and a half, some time to do the $50,000 in forgiveness. Um, first and foremost, like they, besides the quote unquote ethical piece of this is like, Hey, $50,000 forgiven. Like that, that's great. I mean, you can talk about how it sets a bad precedence going forward, how it's not fair. Um, last year, if you guys, uh, listen to the podcast regularly, you might have remembered I did a, a podcast talking about like $50,000 would be fine. But instead of $50,000 with student loan repayment, why don't you just hand out, you know, anybody that has student loans, like $50,000 in general. So like if you paid them off in the past, like you get a $50,000 credit and your taxes going forward, um, which, you know, for a lot of you, that would mean that you don't have to pay taxes for like five to 10 years. Um, so those of you that paid off your loans already, you get credit for it. And then I also said on that podcast, the other thing that they should do is actually have 0% interest rates forever instead of interest on the loans. Uh, but that's, like I said, that's a different podcast. If you guys want to go check that one out, I'll put a link to it. Um, but that's what I think they should do. Just flat out for giving $50,000. First of all, I don't think it does very much because congratulations, you just got $50,000. Again, that helps the people currently in school or that have already graduated. But one, it doesn't help the people that have already paid off their student loans. Um, and I mean, we see people all the time that have, you know, over the last four or five years that have paid off like 150, 200 grand, right? So you talk about a fairness issue or equality of outcome issue or whatever the hell you want to call it. You know, that's it's kind of bullshit for those people that actually did that. Um, the other thing it doesn't do is it does nothing to help the people that are going into school. Again, it's, it's, it doesn't do anything for tuition prices. 
like those people that are coming into school, they're still going to be hit with massive student loans. And so the problem doesn't just go away. It's just, oh, great. We just kicked the can down the road. Okay. Now, the other thing, though, this is the more important piece. For a lot of you that are listening to this, you guys are grad, grad students. It might actually put you into a really bad position that doesn't really make you any money. What do I mean by that? The the average person on, on Fitbooks, again, and this is average because it's something like 95% of the people that we have worked with at Fitbooks are graduate students. The other 5% are like undergrads. So this applies mostly to grad grad students. The average person on our platform has, a, I'm going to round down, $150,000 in debt and a salary of about $78,000. Okay. If they forgive $50,000 on your student loans and you're on an income driven repayment plan and you're at $150,000 and then they knock it down to $100,000, it may make zero, zero sense to stay on an income driven repayment plan anymore because you're going to end up paying off your loans over time anyways. So you're going to have to switch to a regular repayment plan. So instead of getting your loans forgiven and saving for the tax, and still netting out over 20 years, like 40 or 50, $60,000 net. Instead, you're going to have to switch and actually do a payoff plan. So in the long run, you're actually costing yourself about 10 or $20,000 instead of saving 50 to $60,000. It's like a huge swing. So in actuality, the student loan forgiveness would actually hurt you. Okay. Now, if you have like, if you're making 70 grand a year and you have like 200, 250, 300 grand in debt, then yeah, the $50,000 really doesn't even make a difference for you. Um, it might drop your tax in the future a little bit, but you're still going to be paying for tw like 20 or 25 years. The only thing that's going to help you is if they actually keep the 0% tax forever, uh, which who knows? It's, they, they're just more ambiguity by them passing that law. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. So again, for most, for a lot of the grad school, for at least 50% of the grad school students that we see, it's actually going to be a detriment to you if they do a fifty thousand uh, dollar forgiveness, uh, which is something that a lot of people don't realize. Okay, now there's a few other reasons why I'm not huge on on the debt forgiveness. First and foremost, we've seen a direct correlation with debt and how much somebody has in student loans. Meaning this, a couple of things around that. What we've seen is those that are on an income driven repayment plan are more likely to have more debt. And the higher that goes, um, the higher their student loan debt, the more likely they'll have other forms of debt. Okay, so for somebody making $78,000, I'll give you an example, making $78,000 as a PT or OT or whatnot, and this applies to like UPAs out there as well and NPs that we work with and ODs and everything else. Let's just say you're making $78,000 a year. For those people that are doing a, a student loan payoff plan, we tend typically to see them have no other debt or maybe one other form of debt. So like a car loan or, or a mortgage. Okay. For those of you statistically that are making $78,000, but have like $200,000 in student loan debt are, and are on an income driven repayment plan. We also tend to see you have, um, you're 65 to 70% more likely to not only have one more form of debt, but two forms of debt. So like a car payment and a mortgage. And the reason being is because um, basically people look at it and say, well, my, my student loan payment's a lot lower, therefore I'm gonna go out and buy 
okay, and get, get these other forms of debt. And so basically they're just replacing one form of debt with another form of debt. Um, the other thing that we see is again, all else equal, let's just say somebody's on a payoff plan, they might have a car payment of like, and they might owe like a hundred grand. And in student loans, their car payment might only be like $200 or $300 a month. Whereas somebody that we see with like, like $200,000 in student loans, their car payment tends to be like $400 to $600 a month. So basically the more student loan debt we see somebody have, statistically we see them have higher payments on other debts relative to people that have lower student loans. So basically what I'm trying to get at here is that it's not a debt problem, it's, it's a behavioral issue. People are just replacing one form of debt with another. And that's what the government is trying to do with this, like this forgiveness thing is like, great. We go out and forgive $50,000 in debt. That means they can go out and get it somewhere else and it will make the economy look like it's, it's moving because when people are paying student loan debt, it does nothing to that magical GDP number. But when people are turning around and saying, well, this debt's now in a car or this debt's now in a house, those numbers are consumer numbers. They feed into GDP. So it makes the economy look like it's actually going bigger and better than it actually is. In reality, you're just shifting debt from one thing to another, okay? Which goes to the big issue here, and I'm gonna to touch on this more later, is a consumer problem, okay? We consume too much. We consume, consume, consume it. And if we, we have a little a bit of space freed up in our budget, we consume more. That's what those statistics say. So in my opinion, just statistically from what I've seen, and I would put a, I would peg this number right around 70%, that if we do, for example, $50,000 in loan forgiveness for 70% of the people that get that, it's not gonna mean anything anyways. It might mean something in the near term, but they're just gonna replace that debt with something else and be right back in the same personal financial position in three, four, five, six, seven years from now, meaning they're just gonna owe a shitload of debt, okay? So, yeah, it might help those other people, like the 30%, but the 70%, it doesn't help the consumer side. So that's why we do so much, so many podcasts on mindset and behavior, because that's what needs to be corrected. Not just, hey, here's a you know flick of a wrist and all this money is forgiven. That doesn't help the issue, in my opinion. Now, we touched on grad school stuff. And like I said, a lot of you are undergrads that are listening to this um, as well. We have a huge undergrad following on our, on our podcast. So I want to make sure I touch on that too. Um, because you're lower income, you also might have lower amount of debt. I still don't think it helps. Like the quote unquote poor. Um, and $48,000 a year is going to be the first example I use. That's not poor by any means. It's actually, you know, pretty decent, um, you know, wage uh, in this country. But let's just do this at $48,000 a year. Um, and let's just say you're on an income driven repayment plan already. Your payment would be about $200 to $250 a month. That represents about five to 6% of your gross income, okay, for, for a student loan. You know, I, I hate to sound rude and mean and all that type of stuff, but if you can't afford five to 6% of your income going to pay for your education, which increased your salary, Student loans aren't necessarily a problem, okay? There's something else going on that you're spending too much money on, okay? You have a money problem. Um, now, we might not realize it because we're just buying things that we think are necessities. Maybe you have phones, maybe you have 
TVs, maybe you have subscriptions, whatever it may be. Um, but really sit down and it had really encourage people that are having issues like that, that are making 40, $50,000 a year that are sitting there saying $200 a month in a payment is, is too high. It's not that it's too high. It's that you don't want to pay that because you'd rather be using that for something else. Again, you'd rather be using that to buy something else. It's a buying problem and you wish you can buy more of something else. Um, and again, not everybody's like that. I, I don't want to, you know, group everybody into that situation. But I say in general, I look at percentages. You guys know that. You guys have heard me talk about that. Five to 6% of your income going towards, you know, the student loans. That to me, again, if you can't afford that, then something else is going on with your finances that is making your personal financial situation bad, not necessarily the student loans, okay? Um, so again, if we go out and we forgive $50,000 in debt for those individuals, it, it might be helping them in the short run, just cleaning up their budget. But then if you have that bad behavior, you're still going to go out and get into debt and be in a bad situation anyways. So how does it really, really help? Um, now, if you go down to the very bottom of the spectrum, let's just say you're making 24 grand a year, then all the income during repayment plans already, um, your basically your payment would be about twenty to thirty dollars a month, if that. It might even be zero, especially if you have children. So at that twenty dollars a month, forty dollars a month, you know that comes out to. Uh, let me see here. So twenty. So that comes out to about one percent of your income. Now again, I look at percentages. If you can't afford one percent of your, you know, your salary or one percent of your income going towards loans and something's wrong. Now, obviously I'm not, you know, cold hearted. I understand that somebody making 24 grand, yes, 20 to $40 a month could, could mean a lot, right? I, I get that. But it goes to another bigger problem. If you have your undergrad degree and you spend that much on, on loans, why are you making $24,000 a year? Like, you know, why aren't you making more than that with a degree? That might be a number of issues there. It might be personal issues. Maybe you didn't finish school and you just have the debt, which again, I understand. Um, however, most people in that situation actually owe less than $10,000. That's why they're floating out there, the $10,000 loan forgiveness, because I actually do think that would help people. Um, because I understand people drop out of school for reasons beyond their, uh, their you know, what they can control. I've seen that in my life. I used to play some ice hockey with someone um, you know, one of the best hot ice hockey players I've ever met got hit with the knee to knee hit, split his shin in half, uh, had to drop out of school because he didn't have any medical care. So he had to basically go to work. I, I've seen all that. Um, so I get it. There's a reason why you drop out. So I think $10,000 a month for you actually might help a lot of people. But $50,000, again, if you've graduated and you're making $24,000 a year, there's a couple of different things that can be influenced in that. One, it's you personally, like what's going on there? Like, why are you not making more personally? You need to start looking at yourself. But two, maybe it's the, the type of degree that you got that just doesn't pay much, which is another con like story, like in and of itself. You know, another reason it might just be like, hey, look, um, I'm making 24 grand a year because of COVID. And that's a completely different thing. You don't need loan forgiveness. You, you just need a job, which, hey, these $0 payments, you don't owe anything and there's no interest on them. So you're not being hurt right now. So that's still not a reason to go out and just say, hey, we're just going to do blanket forgiveness. 
Um, so anyways, there's, there's a number of reasons why some of those income can be relatively low. Um, but that's, that's the part it's like $50,000 for those people that are making 24 $30,000 in income with an undergrad degree. It's like, what's going on there? Why are we not making more money? Why can't we afford a $20 payment a month on a car loan or on a student loan? This just doesn't make sense. There's something else going on there that I would say look into. Some of it might be out of your control, but I don't like making excuses for people, especially nowadays. I think everybody wants an excuse of why they're at. Um, you know, if we look internally and start there first um, and maximize what we can do for ourselves, then a lot of our problems can be fixed by ourselves. We don't need the help of, you know, government or any, any anybody else. I think that if we just say, look, I take responsibility for this. I need to make more money. We can find ways to make more money anyways. <laughs> um, that's just a personal take on that. Um, long story short, the 0% tax, again, it's not going to help most of you. I don't think it's going to help in the long run without actually implementing some type of uh, price controls on tuition. Um, therefore, I, I think the bill at the passing is useless, um, but we'll see. Um, on the other side of it, setting up the pathway to get, you know, $10,000 to $50,000 forgiven. $10,000, yeah, I think it would actually help some stuff. $50,000, again, I don't think, I think it's actually going to be, make things worse off and better in the long run. And for a lot of you in the short run, it's actually going to hurt you because you're going to have to switch your plans from an income driven repayment plan to a payoff strategy, which net net, you're going to end up costing yourself money. So even though you're getting $50,000 forgiven, it's actually going to cost you money. You know, kind of, kind of a weird concept to think about. But most importantly, all these things, we have a consumer problem. So the big takeaway with all this stuff, don't let your behavior put you in a bad financial situation. If they do the $50,000 in forgiveness, great, take advantage of it. But make sure you're really toning in on your, and tuning into what your behavior is financially. Because at the end of the day, don't be like those 70% that I said are going to go out there and just get back in the debt anyway. And still not be in a good financial situation. If they do do something like this, take advantage of it. All right? You guys are all smart. You know what you're doing. Develop a plan. Be able to implement that plan. If you guys need help, you know how to reach out to us. We're around. And with that, thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.